podcast of sermons by Pastor Charles St. Ange, LCMS Missionary in Montreal, Quebec, and the Caribbean. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. People in the United States will likely little note nor long remember into history the name of Representative Adam Kinzinger. He was one of the 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Donald Trump last month and will likely be one of the 10 congressmen who is going to be out of a job in two years. And when he was asked why he would vote to impeach the former president, knowing that he was going to lose his seat in a primary, the born-again Christian, Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, was very circumspect. And by way of an answer, he quoted a line from the World War II series, The Band of Brothers. The only hope you have is to accept the fact that you're already dead. Because you see, death gives you freedom from all the constraints in life. Once you're dead, there's no more taxes, there are no more laws and fines and obligations, vows dissolve, commitments can't be held against you, contracts become void. We don't try dead men or women or convict them usually, One who is dead cannot sin. Now, what does any of this have to do with our gospel for today? Well, we begin in our gospel with a healing and a very specific one. Mark's continuing at his usual breakneck pace. Everything is immediately. And so we have two immediately's already in the first two verses of the gospel lesson. Now, this might come as a surprise to former Catholics, but the healing here at the beginning of our gospel reading is of the first pope's mother-in-law, which means he was married. Otherwise, I don't know of any other way to get a mother-in-law or a people that would choose to have a mother-in-law without the wife that usually goes along with them. This particular mother-in-law, Simon's mother-in-law, Simon Peter's mother-in-law, had a fever. Now, that's no big deal in our days. We all have Tylenol on our shelves. We know that if we take acetaminophen, it'll lower the fever. We've got antibiotics to deal with the infections that might cause a fever. We've got doctors that can investigate it if it goes on. But back 2,000 years ago, a fever was a really big deal. Yes, it might be caused by an infection, but they didn't have penicillin back then. It might be caused by a virus, but they didn't have ventilators and ways of keeping you through that virus so that the fever could eventually go away. A fever could be caused by a blood clot. Nothing even we can really do about that. Or even worse, fever could be a symptom of cancer. So the fact that Simon's mother-in-law has a fever doesn't just mean she's got the sniffles. This could be a sickness that is going to lead to death. So Jesus comes in. And seeing Peter's mother-in-law with this fever, agaros her. Now, what is agero in Greek? It means to arouse from sleep or even to rise up or cause to be raised up from death. Jairus' daughter that we hear about elsewhere in Luke's gospel is agaroed by Jesus from death. The paralyzed man in John chapter 5 to whom Jesus says, take up your bed and walk. The take up is to agero, to rise up. The paralyzed man who's brought before Jesus by his friends, who is told his sins are forgiven, is told to arise, 
and the women at the empty tomb on Easter Sunday are told by the messengers that Jesus is not there. He has a gay road. He has risen up. So when Jesus takes this dear woman and agaros her such that her fever goes away and her illness is cured, what does she do? Another Greek word. She becomes one who diakoneos. Now that's a word that we get the word deaconess from or deacon. And it literally means to serve, not just to put out food and crackers and carrots and celery, but to actually enter into service, diaconal ministry. So Peter's mother-in-law, who might very well have been on the verge of death, is now given her life back by Jesus. And in her now back from the dead state, her immediate response is to serve her Christ the one who has lifted up this fever from her and agarrowed her from possible death, she turns around and diakoneos becomes a deaconess, if you will, serving her Lord and his entourage. Now, when I first read Representative Adam Kinsinger, who you might remember from a couple minutes ago, his statement from the Band of Brothers, I didn't know that he was a Christian. Now, I should have. Because the first thought that came to mind when I heard that quote from him about needing to understand that you're already dead was not the Band of Brothers, but Paul's letter to the Romans. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Romans chapter 6 verses 3 and 4, or you might know them well as one of the first words that we recite together at the beginning of a funeral service. We're already dead. We died in baptism. Reminds me of one of my favorite scenes from the movie Strange Brew. Or if you're not into really lowbrow comedy, you can go to the play that the movie is based on, which is Hamlet. Claude Elsinore, says to Brewmeister Smith in the movie, when he's being told that there have to be more murders to clean up the mess that they've created, he says, oh, no, no, no rough stuff. I, I don't have the stomach for it. Max von Sydow, who plays Brewmeister Smith, responds, you stinking hypocrite. You murdered your own brother. You had the stomach for that. To which Elsnor responds, the second time, the second time. You murdered him first. He was already dead when I killed him. Of course, the joke is, you can't kill someone who's already dead. Once they're dead, they're immune from murder. And that's the point. Once you're dead, you cannot be killed. And so the question for Christians always is, what will you do now, now that you are alive, having been restored from death? What are you going to do now that you've died with Christ in baptism and been given new life in his resurrection? Well, Paul answers the question by continuing in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. All of this happened in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
a resurrected life, a life that wasn't like our life before baptism, where we were subject to the law, where we were subject to all of the condemnation that was owed to us from our actions and from our descent from Adam and Eve. Now we are alive. Now we were not killed and then raised to new life in order to be spiritual zombies. That wasn't the point. We're not supposed to be, as Christians, baptized into Christ Jesus' death, lumbering through this new life looking for brains. Jesus set us free from the law so that the law would no longer restrict us from doing good. It would no longer be the lower bound, the lowest common denominator. We are free. We no longer need to look at the man left half dead by the side of the road between Jerusalem and Jericho and say, well, what does the law say? If I touch him, will I be unclean? Will I be able to go to temple if I go over and help him? What if the robbers come? Now we can simply look at him and see in him our neighbor who needs help and no longer need to say, but what does the law say? But rather say, what would my Lord do? Paul applies this in our epistle reading. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them, that I might not be a spiritual zombie, but that I might be of service to the Lord who has killed me and raised me to a brand new life and freed me from the condemnation of the law. And so Paul says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, Paul says, just so you remember, I, I'm dead to the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but rather under the law of Christ. The law of Christ, I might paraphrase, is the gospel that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some, and I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings, Paul might add, that I already have in my baptism. We are now at day what, 6,922 of the pandemic? That was funny back in April of last year where we talked about, you know, this being like the 18th month. It's not funny anymore because it feels a little bit like Groundhog Day every day, over and over again, rinse and repeat. In fact, this morning I got my Google Maps update. The end of every month, I get an indication of where I was in the previous month. And it used to be, you know, you were in Jamaica, then you were in Puerto Rico, and you traveled 6,750 miles this month. This month, I got a beautiful map of De Montagne with a red dot in the middle. And I have traveled 250 kilometers this month for five hours. It just seems to go on and on and on. The movie Groundhog Day, I love, by the way, the title in German for the movie Groundhog Day, if you've ever seen it, The Marmot Greets Each Morning. <laughs> but in English, it's Groundhog Day. We just watched it with the kids. 
and how it just seems like every day is like that with the alarm going off at the same song and it's six o'clock in the morning. And I've got to ask myself, is it Monday? Do we have church today? Do I have council tonight? What's going on today? Masks, quarantines, essential versus non-essential businesses. Can I buy this? No, I can't. There's a big X over it because it's non-essential. Travel advisories, border closings. We are all sick to death of it. And if you, my friends, think you are sick to death of it as Christians who are dead in Christ and have been raised to new life, imagine what this is like for those outside the household of faith. At least we've already died. They're still here. And so I was thinking about these words from Paul and paraphrasing them with Deb in the car the other day. To the mask wearers, I became as a mask wearer. To the quarantine, as one under quarantine. To those under curfew, as ones under a curfew. We live under COVID, as all are living under COVID, so that by all means, we might save some. We might reach them with the gospel that in baptism, Christ Jesus brings us out of this life into a brand new life through death. And once you've already died, you can do anything. To save them by the announcement of Christ's death and resurrection for them. So that they might not have to go through this pandemic as an ever narrowing trek through a tunnel into darkness. But understanding, hey, we're already dead. What can this world do to us? Now, as newborn people in Christ, which we are every day, even if our baptism was decades ago, we need the strength of God to keep going in this life every day. So the prophet says that the Lord gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths, Olivia and Sophia, shall faint and be weary. And young men, Avery, shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We keep running to win the prize day by day. And God has raised us up for exactly this time. That we might be set free from the obligation to do good. That like Peter's mother-in-law, we might rise up from death and turn around and serve freely, without compulsion, in Christ alone. And so, like Representative Kinsinger, we recognize that the only hope we have is to accept the fact that we're already dead and now alive forever in Christ. In the name of Jesus, our resurrected hope and life. Amen. If you'd like to learn more, visit intheway.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless your week.